Welcome to Common Ground, a higher education podcast that brings leaders from across Pennsylvania together to engage in meaningful conversation. I am Dr. Bashar Hanna, president of Commonwealth University, which includes Bloomsburg University, Lockhaven University, and Mansfield University. Together, we're exploring the issues our institutions, our communities, our students and their families are facing on their path to earning a college degree. From institutional transformation to workforce development, college affordability, and career trends, I hope you'll join me to learn more about the future of higher education and hear compelling stories from some of our Commonwealth's most transformational leaders. Today on the Common Ground podcast, we're delighted to have Hope Lineman and Jennifer Wakeman as our guests. Hope, can you tell us a little bit about the role you fulfilled for Commonwealth University and the state system of higher education? Yes, um, I'm currently serving as the workforce director. Um, executive director for Commonwealth University and really leading some paradigm shifts um, as it pertains to higher education on the PASHI side, so Pennsylvania State System of Higher Ed Office of Chancellor, and serving as a strategic advisor to the chancellor on um, just new initiatives, things that we need to do uh, to be relevant in the 21st century education. Thank you, Hope. Um, Jennifer, do you mind sharing with us your role within the region um, in central Pennsylvania? Sure. Um, I am the executive director of DRIVE. It is a five-county economic development council of governments. Uh, we serve the central Susquehanna region that includes Columbia, Montour, Northumberland, Snyder, and Union counties. And economic development is a big umbrella, and we can talk about, you know, the part of that today, obviously, that is workforce. Um, so we certainly play a bit of a role with that. But I think workforce and economic development are so intertwined, it's almost hard to pull them apart as separate kind of entities or initiatives. So you both fulfill a critical mission, both in the region and potentially the entire Commonwealth. Uh, economic development and workforce development are, are two areas that are almost always integrated with one another, they go hand in glove. Can you share with us your thoughts about the future of workforce development as it relates to economic development and what role specifically can institutions of higher learning like Commonwealth University provide for the region in order for us to continue to have a highly skilled workforce? That's the economic driver for the region. Yes, so workforce development, I'll take that frame of reference. Um, it really is focused on employer needs, um, and we closely align with populations. So we'll actually do a synopsis of what are the top employers, what are their top needs, have conversations with them to make sure that we are aligning what training and programs we develop um, based exactly on what they need. Um, we also then work very closely with our career links, job connects, um, human service agencies, all of that, because that is typically the population that we can recruit into kind of short-term entry-level positions. Um, and it, it has been very impactful. I've, I've had 22 years in higher education and workforce development. Um, and I have seen, um, have been able to watch individuals come in, do something short term, 
and then go on to employment. The employer then invests and sends them back for additional skills, additional training. Um, historically, it's been monumental uh, to watch that um, because it does. It, it changes the individual's economic trajectory. Um, the thing going forward that is um, workforce development is at the forefront of addressing some of the workforce gaps. Um, we are seeing shortages across industries and the only way to fill those needs are really robust um, involvement with employers and filling, filling training exactly what they are asking for and filling those entry level positions. And we are seeing um, kind of this transition into what they call a 40-year curriculum um, where you are going to continue to see individuals upskill, reskill over their lifetime. Thank you, Hope. Um, Jennifer, from an economic development perspective, mm -hmm. how can we continue to do the great work that DRIVE is doing to ensure mm -hmm. that the region and beyond has a workforce that is meeting the needs of industries and continuing to be upskilled or reskilled so that we never have a shortage of skilled labor? Well, I think developing that pipeline is key, and that's kind of what Hope is addressing, is how do you, how do you um, find someone or put someone on a path to having that, that long-term, that lifelong learning and, and, you know, consistent improvement and adding to their skill set. Um, I think that's, that's part of it. I also think we're seeing a shift in, it, you were saying it's been 22 years that you've been working in this. And I think, you know, I've been talking to people recently and it seems like everything is cyclical big cycles, little cycles within the cycles, right? And, and I think we're seeing that, uh, that shift in workforce and how people approach employment. Um, I'm probably giving away my age when I say, you know, <laughs> I graduated from high school in the late 80s and it was very much, you know, anybody and everybody was going to four-year college. And we were raised by parents who might have been first-generation college students. And so we got a very different message, um, and now we're the parents, and I think we're having to readjust our thinking with our own kids about what constitutes a quote unquote. You can't see my air quotes on a podcast. Good job, <laughs> um, or you know, a good career. And do you need to go to a four-year college. Yeah, for certain things, sure, you do. I want my doctors highly trained. Thank you very much. But that that's never been a path for everyone. So what is that path and what does that look like? And I think getting into K through 12 makes a difference. That's what I mean when I talk about that pipeline. And I know that's some of the work that you're already doing to kind of figure out who are those people who maybe four years isn't great. And I think that's what's really interesting and what the conversations that I've enjoyed having with you both over the last couple of years is this kind of shift in how do we look at how to be that resource. And it may not be a traditional, again, air quotes, um, four-year degree that someone needs. And so I love the fact that the PASHI system and the Commonwealth University is even having the conversation about how do we have those engagements both with the employers but also with the either current employees or potential employees 
um, to to meet them where they are, find out what those needs are, and then go forward from there to create that ongoing uh, training. So a follow-up for both of you, if I may. Um, The traditional paradigm of higher ed, Jennifer, you hit on it. I hope you and I have talked endlessly about this, has always been meeting the high school graduate and serving the high school graduate. Um, That paradigm has worked well. Some some will argue it may have not worked as best as as it could have. But in Pennsylvania, there is a half a million people with college credit but no degree. So what can we do together to make sure those citizens continue to feel that their skills are important enough for us to provide micro-credentials, certificates, which is sometimes awkward for a president of a four-year institution to speak about because that has not been part of the, the paradigm. So share with us some of your thinking about why this is essential today and what are the things we ought to be looking at together in order to ensure our region remains highly skilled and that those skills are serving as the economic engine for the region. So a couple of uh, things as we look at this um, shift, it, it really is the, the four-year degree is absolutely still solid. What, it, what the short-term or micro-credentials, it allows for individuals to stack into pathways. Um, and we do. We know the, the traditional age population is declining. Um, we know that we have a half a million individuals, at least in Pennsylvania, who have some college credit, no degree. That audience typically will be working full-time. They likely have children. If they are into the 40s, um, they're likely still raising children and aging parents. And so for them to just uproot and dive into education, it's not possible. There are too many barriers. So having these short-term stackables Um, And part of Commonwealth University, part of what we're driving to is setting up infrastructure, one of those being credit for prior learnings to help us meet students and learners where they're at. So what, what that does is connects not only embedding a micro-credential within degree programs, Um, It also allows this adult population who maybe already has done those types of training to bring credit. So meeting them where they are at just accelerates their ability to get that degree. And it is likely employers will invest in them and they will ultimately get a a bachelor's degree, but it's probably going to be in over an eight to 10 year period of time. The other piece on the K to 12 sector, we have been working extensively with the career and technical centers to create articulation agreements. Those individuals are passing NACTI tests, they, they have certifications, and so it is a learning. Um, it is a certified industry recognized learning. So creating articulations with those uh, schools to be able to bring in you know, nine credits for that training already. It expedites and makes it affordable. So the other side of that that I'm curious, I'm gonna ask a question if that's okay. <laughs> Absolutely, this is <laughs> a conversation. Absolutely. Flip the script a little bit, but I'm just curious, um, when you talk about those non-traditional students, you know, the adult learners who may have additional college credit and 
life happens and whatever that story is. I'm curious about how that's going to impact the um, career development side of the university mm-hmm. to go back out and help. I mean, it, it's probably a slightly easier gig to do what is usually done, which is we have this high school person, they've now come through in four or five years, maybe three, whatever, and now they have their degree and we send them off into the world and we do, you know, there's sort of, that pathway is really broad and we've we've run it, it's well-trod, right? So what does that look like for career development from the university standpoint for these non-traditionals who maybe they're just stacking a, a micro-credential now? How do you get them into the workforce? So that you, may be an unfair question. I don't know. I'm no, just but curious. You, you sort of, you must have been cheating because you looked at my script. <laughs> and the, the, the follow-up question I had for both of you is, what can we do together mm-hmm. in the preparation of this non-traditional learner mm-hmm. that Hope, you described as someone who may, circumstances dictated that they either not finish that four-year degree or go into the workforce and now find themselves at the glass ceiling, that proverbial glass ceiling, Mm -hmm. and need a credential or a certificate. But what can we do do together from the drive lens and the workforce development lens, either Commonwealth U more specifically or PASHI in general, to make sure that the services that we have been practicing with our traditional college-age students are not being held, held from those students that may be the, the age of the parent of the college mm-hmm. age student. You know, it's a, sometimes it's a little awkward mm-hmm. coming to a career fair and, and noticing you're the parent in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what can we do together to make sure that apprehension, that returner that who is not 22 years old, what can we do together to make sure that they are also treated like a commodity? Yeah, I think it's important to probably have the you talked about interfacing with the employers, you know, have the, that ready list of odds are those, those returning learners are folks who are from the region already. Mm-hmm. So where are, where has the university already made those connections of, Hey, we happen to know that folks with this kind of training are well suited to these kind of jobs with these companies in this area. And, you know, and maybe it isn't, let's have a giant career fair, but let's have one for, you know, either a specific industry cluster or a specific student group or whatever that is that, hey, are, you know, is this where you are? Come and meet with the, you don't necessarily need to meet with 50 companies. You need to meet with four that are within driving distance of where you live. And so I think those connections, if the university can, can leverage and make those in advance for the students so that, you know, to me, that's a selling point. You know, it's just like, I mean, I've have a child looking at colleges and we're always like, what's the selling point? You know, what are, what are the things that they're bringing to the table? They probably, your returning learners probably don't care if you're getting like flow rider to come on a Friday night, but they definitely (laughs) care. Do you already have services that are going to benefit me that I'm not just going to throw more money at this degree or this credential, whatever it is. And I'm still going to have my same underemployed position. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm obviously people are doing this because they want that better life for themselves, for their families, those sorts of things. So I think that advanced work and then making sure folks know this is what we already have for you. 
when you come through this program? Um, I will just quickly add um, to the two things. So um, when it comes to micro-credentials within degree programs, what we are doing is uh, working with faculty, very closely with faculty, and determining what what outcomes, what are the goal, you know, what are the goals in that class, what are the skills and competencies and outcomes that we can measure and compare to industry recognized credentials. That way we can add that it's a value add to not only that three credit course, but they're getting some type of industry recognized credential, whether it's a certificate, whether it's a certification. Um, we are really uh, laser focused on that piece because it will help to attract the adult market because they'll be able to do incremental steps even in with their careers. Mm -hmm. um, they'll be able to come if they're working in business and they come and go through the program and they're earning a data analytics certification and time management, project management. Um, it just allows them to continue to move up in the company Mm -hmm. as they progress. Um, the other piece, um, you know, there's economic development and workforce development. I see great um, opportunity there in developing really kind of that private-public partnership models. That's where we see the greatest success, where we have a group of, you know, employers that have similar needs, and we can develop training and to, to deliver that. Mm -hmm. um, and so with economic development, you have companies, you know, that you're trying not only to keep workforce filled, but you're trying to attract new companies. And we can work in tandem to make sure we have a skilled workforce ready, because mm -hmm. that's part of the challenge. I, th I think with economic development, you have companies looking at different areas, but they're also looking at the skill sets of the individuals in those areas. So if we can work in tandem, it, it not only serves Commonwealth residents, but it serves regions and, and the state. Sure. And that's one of the things, I mean, we certainly in, at least in this region in Pennsylvania, we talk about the access to higher education, uh, uh, whatever that looks like, you know, that's mm -hmm. kind of a continuum, but and that is a competitive advantage that we have in the region because employers say that because it's not like, oh, it's just Pennsylvania that's having a workforce problem. This is across the nation. So you can't just sit in, oh, woe is me. We don't have enough people. Right. So therefore, what are we going to do? And how how do we help folks who are underemployed move up? I think that's that's an, uh, an un, underserved group of folks. Mm -hmm. um, and they're probably – encapsulated within that million or so, whatever the number is of people who have some college credit, but no final degree or, or certification. Yeah. Well, I, I think what I'm, what I'm hearing you both say, and please correct me if I, if, if I misstate any of this is partnership is critical to addressing the needs of the region, if not the entire Commonwealth and the days of educating students to earn a degree and then go worry about your career path after graduation, I think are past us. Um, if we're not working with spe specialized industries to address what kind of skills their employees need and work with them to actually do create a micro-credential, a certificate, or a training that addresses that needs, we're always going to leave some members of the citizenry behind. As Pennsylvania's owned 
uh, university, part of the PASHI system, I think it's not just an obligation, it's a responsibility. Mm -hmm. That we partner with organizations like Drive to make sure the conversation with our employer partners is never a second priority. Uh, it always needs to be, I think, a first priority. Uh, we can't give them what they need if we don't talk with them. Well, and speaking the same language is a trick too. We found that with some training that I've done in talent pipeline management, it's you think you're speaking the same language and you're actually not. And that that's not a you, like bad we, I guess, are not always speaking the same language. I'm not pointing fingers. But um, the employers think they're being clear and the higher ed thinks that, but if you're not really communicating in a meaningful way, you're often trying to stick round pegs into square holes mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. unintentionally yeah, no, through, you know through no one's fault it's just they're they're saying one thing and you're in and you're hearing another or vice versa and until some of that gets decoded and sometimes that's just having a lot of conversation a lot of understanding but also multiple employers I had um, someone who works in the region and it, for a manufacturer has said look across the board the manufacturers in the region, 80% of what we do is this, what we need is the same, you know, from shop to shop to shop. It's the same. The 20% difference, we can teach them, but we need help getting them to the 80% so that we can teach them the 20. So I think there's a lot of that opportunity as well to have multiple players at the table. Partnerships um, is the only way we will be able to address workforce shortages. We're not going to do it singular in an entity. It is everybody bringing their strengths to the table, sharing in, in the journey mm -hmm. um, to make a positive impact. Well, and, and let me ask a final question. Um, if we do what we've just talked about successfully, does our region become um, an attractive region for new employers to set up shop here if the workforce is ready and skilled because we've heard a lot about the potential of companies leaving um, especially because there is a shortage of skilled labor etc cetera, etc cetera. so assuming we're able to do what you two colleagues have set out to do is there a possibility that the central Susquehanna region specifically can become an attractive region to bring companies that we may not be on their radar today. I certainly think it's a possibility. We have a lot of project in, projects in the pipeline that, you know, come, that's one of the questions that we get asked, you know, what, and we don't always have like the ready workforce solution right now, but we're, we say we have these institutions of higher education, and they are they are willing, some of them more than others, are definitely willing to be part of the solution. They're not just churning out degrees and saying, you know, sayonara, good luck. Mm -hmm. um, and, and certainly you address the population issue. That's certainly very prevalent in rural Pennsylvania. It's not unusual. And the more that I, I, I see it, my side of the job is, bring the opportunity for those people. I don't, you know, I don't want to can, I don't want to bring jobs here that are just, you know, run of the mill, mm -hmm. very entry level, you know, I very, you know, not unskilled, low paying. Yeah. Let's find, you know, if we're going to bring quality employers, we have to have quality employees. So it's kind of, they're two sides mm -hmm. of the same coin. Yep. 
Um, so that's that's why the partnership's important. It has to work. Well, I think we don't we want to attract companies here to create an attractive region for ourselves and keep our citizens here. Correct. Uh, because skilled labor will leave if they don't have opportunities to advance. Um, I'm delighted to hear that there are partnerships um, both happening and will continue to happen. Um, you're, you're both doing important work uh, for the region. Um, what final message would you want our listeners to hear from each of you regarding the current and future state of workforce development and economic development in our region? I would say that I think, um, particularly as it relates to Commonwealth University, because you have three campuses in three very distinct locations, also have online coursework available, I think you're poised to have a great impact in this. So I'm thrilled that you're even having the, the conversation because to your point earlier, it's kind of an awkward thing. It's a, it's a paradigm shift yep. and that's never an easy thing to do. So I think I think the future is, you know, without being kind of trite, it seems like we have good possibilities for how to really tackle these problems in a significant way. And to your point earlier, Hope, it's not just a, you know, a onesie, twosie kind of thing. It needs to ha be a larger conversation, a larger partnership to really start to move the needle and provide the opportunity. And I think once you get those things off the ground, they start to gain momentum, gain traction. You can point to the success, and I think it starts to really build on itself. I'm always the optimistic, but I am really excited um, to see workforce development kind of really being intertwined in the academics. Um, it, we are, as a, a higher education institution, we are producing um, individuals who are ready for employment. However, there are several pockets um, that we can really pull in. Um, those that maybe didn't see themselves as college bound will need some types of skill sets. In workforce development, we can be, we're a little bit more nimble, a little bit more flexible. Um, we can do specific training, um, and we have a cadre of experts in, in a variety of fields that we pull in as needed. But this is, this is an area where I think we will be able to not only set um, the region up for success, but it's scalable across the Commonwealth. And we are not, you know, we're a global society, and so we need to look um, kind of outside of our box. And I, I think this is an opportunity to do that. Jennifer Wakeman from Drive, thank you. Hope Lyman from Commonwealth University in Pashi, thank you. If you would like more information about today's show, you can find links in the show notes. You can also visit our page at commonwealthu.edu slash common ground. I hope you'll join us next time for another episode of Common Ground. Thank you for listening and be well.